Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 314 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I chat to Oral Samli and Galib Kotagu of Stormling Studios about their horror adventure game, Transient. This is an extraordinary game. Really pushes the boundaries. A phrase often heard, but this one really does push the boundaries of reality itself. You don't know what's real and what isn't. And sometimes you think what's real and then it turns out it isn't real and then... But then it is real, but then it isn't. Really imaginative, well put together and beautifully crafted game. It really is. The artistry demonstrated in Transient is quite a thing. And uh, that alone, almost, is worth your effort actually seeking it out and having a, having a play. But uh, be warned, it will melt your brain, probably. Maybe not, but you know what I mean. Enough of my wibbling. Chris, from the past, if you'd be so kind. Oral and Gallop. Hello. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Gallip from Storming Studios. Well, Storming Studios is a very small uh, game developers who are you know, consisting of three actual developers. Well, uh, my role in the team is actually I'm the engine guy. I mostly do the technical stuff, and but I'm also very interested in the historical storytelling part of the game. So I we all, you know, uh, decide and uh, build the game uh, with you know within the team. So this basically my role is about. Keeping the game together and making everything is running smoothly, and actually includes all the parts and design uh, design decisions that we have made. So I'm kind of designer as well, game designer in the team. So I implemented things with designs in that regard. Yeah. So that's basically my job. Yeah. So. Um... Hello, everyone. I'm Oral Shamla from Storming Studios. And my job is uh, also, um, aside from uh, doing graphical assets, creating graphical assets, um, writing story and composing music, we, we do all co- kinds of things. You know, we're a very small development team. Uh, we have to do lots of job, lots of, we have to combine lots of disciplines all together uh, to create something awesome. So yeah, uh, my job is not single, uh, so I can call myself um, creative director, maybe, I don't know, um, you know, we have a very, very small team, we do all uh, sorts of stuff, uh, but usually, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a 3D artist uh, doing 3D models, uh, texture artist also, texturing mm. the assets we have created, 
along with my brother, uh, Ono Shamla. Uh, we do all these kind of things. And um, he's um, uh, my brother also is um, not with us today, mm -hmm. but uh, he, he creates sculpts things and I um, create models out of it. And he also uh, does the same. Uh, and also, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the composer of the, of the game. I compose musical tracks. Um, yeah, actually, um, we do lots of things. Um, and as Galip said, um, we are a very small team. And we are a focused team. Um, we are working to, together very well because we are very small. We can um, understand each other, uh, work with each other uh, as fast as possible, you know, uh, without hindrance of other huge teams. Like, uh, we can... Uh, understand what we are, what we will be doing uh in the process so yeah that's uh i think encapsulates my uh my job my what i'm doing uh, yeah that's, that's all i can say that's really impressive um that you're artist and 3d model and musician as well yeah. that's that's yeah. incredible um yeah. but i understand you know you have to wear many many hats um and that's that's a thing that exists in uh, in the development but Honestly, the quality of the uh, design and visuals in Transient, it's astonishing how such a small team can produce something of such high quality. So well done to you, uh, because um, you could have done it many, many different ways, but the, what you, you chose a certain system and model that could have overwhelmed you, but you seem to have... Uh, you, you seem to have created something or created an engine or a system that allows you to make these mystical worlds. But before we delve into that, I want to ask, want to ask you both, um, how did you make your start making video games? Okay, I'd like to... Uh, okay. either, one of, yeah, either one of you, I don't mind. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's a very long time ago. I think. Indeed, you can go as far back as you like. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're we're just young people at high school. I remember as far as it was nineteen ninety something, and just we. Actually, and do you remember exact date? Or actually, nineteen ninety eight, I think, uh, but I'm not pretty sure. But... <laughs> Yeah, we just erased that part of your memory from our minds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were so young. And we, were, we wanted to make games and we had different instruments. But uh, in those times in Turkey, there was no you know, sign of any development. I mean, there were no industry, no groups making games. But we were playing games and wanted to make games that we love and we play. And thus, somehow we found a us uh, each other through some channels. I think uh, we have been doing some small projects uh, on our side and there were some game magazines and that we knew some people from the game magazines that uh, it was, I think it was an editor that write about the games being, uh, do, being done in Turkey. And that's how we uh, have a contact with each other and we used to regularly meet and talk about what we can do. And uh, we all loved adventure games of those times. We are a fan of adventure games, point-and-click adventure games. And then decided, okay, let's do a point-and-click adventure game. And what what can we do for that? What, we, what do we need? What uh, resources do we have? 
And then I was into programming and I was already coding some uh, fighting game. I'm also a very uh, diehard fighting game fan. I play a lot of fighting games still today and I also develop my fighting games. It is a, <laughs> it is yeah. a you know, one of my things I love. And then, um, okay, I said I can make an engine and what kind of engine do we need and those times there were this panoramic adventure games was very popular like mist type of games or there was a lot of uh, different genres in that way i mean uh, we had some horror uh, point and click adventure games like scratches which was very uh, famous uh, on those days and then i started make a panoramic game engine and Onur and Oral uh, started working on the uh, story and uh, environment and everything, actually. Uh, I actually had no idea what they were you know, studying, which books they are reading, because I wasn't so into the Lovecraftian stuff uh, they are very keen on and they're actually loving. And personally, I haven't read any books of Lovecraft of those times. And uh, but the story they're telling, they're trying to build up the ideas, uh, was actually very, very interesting. I mean, uh, I was uh, I was just like pulled into that into that world, and I noticed that if we would make an adventure taking place in uh, those you know stories would be very, very, very um, interesting. So I, I wasn't actually inter- um, educated by that stuff, but I was just uh, you know, amazed by the idea of it. And when we started the games, I mean, we first started making Darkness Within series, and we had a very small and failed project <laughs> about battery, you know? That yeah. blood contest battery. We were going to make a game about her blood contest battery. Yeah. yeah, but we never started actually and finished that project because uh, those times we were very inexperienced and really, you know, have no um, idea what we could do. And then um, we started Darkness Within series. Honor uh, a lot uh, working uh, on on them, the story, because we were planning to make a three uh, sequel game, so there will be one, one two, and three. Uh, well, when we started, uh, I actually really liked, liked everything about it, and I think Onura will give much more detail about the design and their inspiration sources, and Lovecraft as well. And the, the more we developed the game, uh, I noticed there was a lot of details in that game. I mean, there were a lot of references for different cultures, which are different symbologies, different, um, I mean, uh, cultic references. These were very interesting, and uh, I actually tried to understand what, uh, how they are building uh, the world and the lore. And I actually have no idea about the references they're using to Lovecraft. But then I, uh, after I started reading Lovecraft, I noticed that how uh, it was nicely, nicely tailored in, in every part. Yeah. And thus, uh, since not being the creator on the creative part of the game, 
uh, I was actually amused about the things we are doing. And maybe, Oral, you can talk some more about Darkness Within series. So tell us your story, Oral. How, how did you make your start making video games? Yeah, uh, as Gallup uh, already stated that we, uh, we were very young. Uh, so we, we thought that the, the only thing in our minds was developing a game, but we don't know anything about it. We didn't know anything about it. We um, didn't know uh, how to create games. Uh, as Gallup said, uh, he experienced in uh, creating an engine. Uh, he's a technical guy. Uh, he can program. So uh, when we um, get together, we ask uh, asked him about uh, if he if he um, he were interested in working with us. So uh, he said yes, and we started the game development. Um, actually, I think uh, the the Dark Swinins, uh was started in uh, 2003, and um, we started our first company, Zordrop Interactive. Uh, so uh, in three years' time, we finished Darkness Within in Pursuit of Lord Noller, our first game. Um, it was um, something different. We, we tried to do something different because, um, you know, today uh, H.P. Lovecraft is uh, all around us. He, uh, he's everywhere, but uh, back in the days, in the late um, 2000s, Lovecraft uh, is not that prominent. Uh, so we think that it would be awesome to uh, incorporate his uh, his stories uh, to create a, 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 an adventure, a classical point-and-click adventure game. That would be awesome, right? Uh, so we um, set out uh, this adventure in 2003. Um, we were with uh, H.P. Lovecraft readers. Uh, Gothic literature uh, really um, captured our imagination. Uh, so uh, we, we were reading lots of stuff, lots of uh, horror books, Gothic literature stuff, um, weird fiction. Uh, so uh, we thought that uh, doing a Lovecrafting game, a Lovecrafting adventure game, uh, will be awesome. So we created Dark Souvenir Pursuit of Nolder, Lord Nolder. Uh, but uh, we didn't know anything about storytelling, uh, world building stuff uh, back in the days. Uh, we just youngsters trying to create something. And um, my fr uh, brother and I constantly uh, reading stuff, um, try to um, capture the H.P. Lovecraft's essence in our story. We tried uh, so many ideas, burned so many ideas along the way. Uh, and eventually we created... Uh, and finished uh, Darkness Within uh, in Persona after three years. So this is uh, how we started the game development. It was our first project, and I think it, it was it was an awesome one. Um, today, players, um, the fans, our fans, uh, all around the world, uh, contacting us and uh, send their regards uh, about about our first game. They still uh, listening to his uh, soundtrack. Uh, up to this day, and very uh, proud of it because, yeah, I know uh, I was into music uh, the, um, composition stuff uh, back in the, my early um, childhood days, and uh, we we constantly developing our skills and putting so many things on top of our uh, talents, our base, and building um, right from the uh, from the zero. So. That's how we started, actually. All I can say is that. No, and it kind of, all of this is fascinating stuff. And you're obviously inspired by the very troubling 
and now difficult to read for various social and political reasons, Lovecraft, because there's aspects of his writing which isn't particularly palatable. Let's be fair, it's there, I'm afraid, and we can't ignore it, and it's not nice. It really isn't. It really isn't. But if you... This is a big ask, but if you understand it's written of a certain time where the cunts, that, that, that kind of uh, thinking was was prevalent and okay, it's not now, happily, um, but um, the actual core of the, the feeling of the, the, the unknown, isn't it? It's always about the unknown. And we can joke about the old ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, there's many memes and video games about yeah. the funny side of the concept of summoning old ones. I mean, we've all had people, you know, they're sort of struggling in the toilet or something, and you yell, "You summoning an old one or something?" <laughs> you know, it's 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 very very common to have that joke, but it's not funny when you're in the midst of it. But um, uh, this leads on my, but this leads definitely leads on. I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to expand on it more because. I want to know why. At the moment, you've only hinted at it, but the question is this. It's the infamous third question, as regular listeners will know, because it's a bit um, hard to uh, nail down, to focus on, but uh, just bear with me. Um, You are creators of things. Whether you like it or not, you make stuff. You make video games. Therefore, it follows that you must be influenced by something or some things. Can you summarise between a pair of you what do you believe your studio does and indeed is influenced by mostly? What do you think it really is? Or, or what they are? Yeah, actually, uh, um, I call myself, uh, particularly call myself a storyteller. So exactly, we have to uh, inspire by something, right? So uh, our first impression is uh, truly and clear that it's H.P. Lovecraft. Um, but aside from Lovecraft, we, uh, we love literature so much. Uh, I'm a literature student. Uh, I I'm studied literature in my uh, in my university, and I really love, love literature, gothic literature and um, fantasy stuff, uh, science fiction. So uh, all these kind of um, great work of arts uh, inspired us uh, greatly. For example, I uh, I like uh, to uh, watch movies uh, with my brother. He also loves uh, watching uh, science fiction movies, uh, horror movies, mystery movies. So all these kind of things uh, inspired us. But mostly, I, all I can say is that uh, we were inspired by H.P. Lovecraft and Arthur C. Clarke um, because I was reading uh, Lovecraft and Arthur C. Clarke side by side in my, uh, when I'm a youngster. Um, I, I I usually uh, read uh, at night Lovecraft, and at, uh, in in morning uh, I I usually read Arthur C. Clarke. I love Rama series, by the way. Um, it was an awesome uh, awesome one. Uh, for example, we'll talk about this, I think, in the later uh, parts of the of the talk. But uh, we were strongly influenced by the uh, Arthur C. Clarke's City and the Stars. Uh, novel. Uh, it was an awesome one, and it, it has a direct influence in Transcend 2. Um, yeah, we'll get to it later, I think. But yeah, uh, literature and all these uh, 
world building stuff really uh, inspired us uh, to um, push us forward in uh, video development, I think. That's wonderful because the one thing about Arthur C. Clarke, because we've already hinted at Lovecraft, let's look at Clarke's work because he took the concept of, well, you know, why are you assuming that aliens will have two arms and two legs and be, you know, have yeah. two eyes and breathe oxygen and etc.? Why are you assuming that? That's absurd. <laughs> the universe yeah. is vast. It exactly. could be an amorphous sphere <laughs> that's, yeah. that's bright pink in colour. You don't know. Uh, you, it might not have any gender at all. It will have hundreds of genders. You don't know. Uh, yeah. And it would be so... I mean, the concept, the word alien means it really took it to its logical conclusion or logical place that it could be yeah. so un, un, uh, unfathomable that you can't even relate to it. It's still intelligent. It's still an intelligence. There's a sentience. There's a phrase or word, I should say. But mm. it's, you, you can't comprehend it. And that, as a, there's a symbiosis, isn't there? There's a similar. It's very similar to the old ones and Lovecraftian in that they also are utterly alien, but in another way. And they're also deeply malevolent, whereas Arthur C. Clarke is not so much malevolence as a lack of understanding, which is, you know, it's, it's fascinating. That you're, and it really shines through in Transient. So, yeah, well done on that. Thank you um, so much. Thanks. Yeah. At, uh, that's the, I mean, the opening section is deeply, well... Um, atmospheric to say the least um but uh and it's all the tricks on the light very clever very clever you know the moths that the shadow of the moths making the moths look five times bigger than they actually are yeah you know it's yeah. really clever stuff well done um it's modern technology it allows you to do that of course um and uh but yeah it's uh anyway we'll talk about it later yeah. so I'm going to ask you that I want this. I want you to both answer this question, if you don't mind, because you probably have very different answers. Okay, um, but it's a very, oh, yeah. yeah, it's a very, a very important question because it tells me it kind of feeds from the previous question. They all do. All all the questions feed into each other because um, I designed them that way. Um, what and it's to either either of you can answer first, but uh, it's I'll leave it up to you. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Uh, and, um, yeah. Mm, well, um, well, well, my answer is a bit different because um, the, my approach for game development, I mean, my love for uh, game development is uh, basically that because I think it's a way to tell a story. And through the you know, history of humanity, there were a lot of stories has been told to new generations. And this, these stories that actually helped them to uh, develop as a human being, as an individual. So it is actually uh, an instrument for a human being uh, to develop and understand the world around them. So, uh, in this regard, um, I can tell why our games is actually um, making, a, uh, making a contribution to storytelling. But apart from your, uh, for your question, I can answer, I think it is a dead game company that I love uh, because 
in their website, they, their vision is very clear and I think it's very nice. It says, uh, we aim to develop games which is good for uh, human psyche or psyche, you can say in ancient Greek. Well, uh, that's a very good vision, I suppose, because um, uh, if you aim something higher for something good for humanity, then uh, it may can make a difference. Because if you, I mean, you may have different aims while developing games. You can say, okay, I will make something fun, or I will make something, you know, uh, fit some other something intellectual, whatever. But uh, aiming that if you're going to play this game, you're going to feel good. But you will also feel connected with the world around you. This is actually some uh, bigger and maybe a different ideal while you're making games. And if you look at those their games, uh, for instance, I particularly love Journey, which was, I think, a very famous game. Uh, it is actually telling a story, but which is a very old story, which has been told by the world mythologies and uh, retold time and time. It is just a path of a human being. I mean, you start as a, uh, say, you start the ignorant being uh, to life, and then at the end of the road, you became a more <laughs> wiser being, and you had a lot of experiences, and uh, you use your power, your wisdom to aid the new generation. And this is how the things go and go and go for the human race. And because of that, I particularly uh, love what they're trying to uh, achieve. And you took those, that uh, message and try, try to repeat it with a more modern and using the uh, tools of today. So my answer is that. I, I think it is that game company. <laughs> Fantastic answer. And you're right, Journey, um, that's one game that I remember putting down a controller down and almost crying afterwards because it was yeah. like, wow. It's very, very touching. Very touching. And also I marveled at the end of the list of names that appeared of people that I apparently played with. I thought it was yeah. the same person. It wasn't. It was four different people. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'll never forget that. And yeah, it's still... That's, that's fantastic, really. It, it's still on my PlayStation 3, which I actually I recently sold my launch PlayStation 3 because it was getting very, very hot and very, very loud. So, <laughs> so I sold it off quickly and replaced it with the Slim, and it's much... They're not loud. The Slim ones, ultra-slim PS3s, they're awesome. They're not loud. Anyway... Uh, Oral, what, what, what's your uh, take on your favorite video game developer right now? Uh, actually, um, I was into Bioware and I love uh, all their games, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate series and Icewind Dale series and stuff. Uh, I that that developer knows how to create games, right? Um, you know, um, uh, they're awesome in in telling a story and mass effect for example it was an awesome one but um i don't like their uh, current uh, lineup for example anthem i don't i don't like the anthem one I, that i don't like the game or dragon age i i don't like the dragon age but their uh previous games were awesome um i was uh, i remember i played a lot 
Baldur's Gate uh, one and two in my uh, teenage when, when I was a teenager. Uh, it was an awesome experience. So uh, that was uh, one of the best video companies uh, I've ever seen up to date. Um, and also there are so, so many small uh, independent uh, developers. Uh, I can't recall uh, their names currently, but there are so many great uh, people uh, telling um, their stories uh, extremely well. Um, so yeah, I think I can say Bioware because uh, I love their games, all of their games, previous games. Uh, before uh, the uh, before the drug and stuff, yeah, you know, uh, awesome experiences. Uh, yeah, I think Ex- that's all. No, that's that's fantastic. Uh, I, I do appreciate your, your honesty on the Bioware thing because they did. Yeah, Anthem was a departure that it ought not have gone down, uh, and I think that was EA's pressure, and they've gone to places that the they're remastering Mass Effect, which is somewhat overdue but uh, it's nice to see that they're re- having another crack at the whip of it and say well you know we the original trilogy we can have another go at it and yeah that the, we did make a andromeda thing that was a thing that existed and that was a yeah they've yeah. lost their way a bit but you're right i mean and now you can buy by Baldur's gate enhanced edition for a very low price on gog i've got icewind dale enhanced enhanced edition one and two they're amazing yeah. so um but yeah and of course Baldur's Gate. Without it, we wouldn't have Minsk and his space hamster. So, the yeah, world would be a lesser place without that. That without Boo. Boo likes yeah. the forest. He does like the forest. Of course, he does. <laughs> Go for the eyes. Go for the eyes, Boo. Go for the eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just loved on his inventory. You tried to touch that hamster. You were. You, yeah, that wouldn't. That that wasn't going to work. Nope, that slot was permanently filled with that space hamster. There's nothing you could do about it. So, last question of the first half. Here we go. And this is to both of you again. I suspect you have different answers, or maybe not. I do not know. But this is a video game podcast. And because it's a video game podcast, we have to ask this question. And that is this. What are you playing right now? <laughs> Great question. Uh, I think yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm playing right now uh, Cyberia Three uh, because you know uh, the game development took a lot of our times. Uh, we cannot play games because uh, doing all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, creating art assets, uh, composite music composition, yes. and all this stuff uh, took so much of our time, and we uh, we couldn't uh, time to play games. But uh, recently. I start playing Siberia 3, and um, and later on they will be releasing uh, Cyber 4, I think. Um, and I, I'm planning to play that game as well. But currently, Cyber 3, and um, I think it's a great game, um, great visuals, great storytelling. Um, it is a little bit sore at the end, but um, overall, it's a great experience. I love Benot Sokal and his uh, what he, what he's trying to do. Um, you know, when, when I, I remember when uh, Cyber Games first came out, uh, I was astonished and uh, just played the, the game and it was an awesome experience. Uh, the visuals are stunning, uh, the musical tracks uh, was awesome. Uh, that was one of the games that uh, every, every, everyone should play in, uh, in their uh, lifetime, I think. So yeah. 
that's all. That's the that's the only game I'm, I'm planning currently. I'll be pl- uh, planning to um, play some other games. <laughs> if no, I- it's a, it's a good shout. It's a good shout. Yeah. Um, that's a. I love those adventure games. I really do. Um, yeah. They do the visuals. And you just want to see what's next around a corner, but you know you've got this bizarre puzzle to solve or string a series of uh, ev- pieces of evidence that seemingly unrelated but then very quickly become related. It they, they teeter on the brink of absurdity, but then they bring it back. It's very, very clever. Um, but uh, I don't want to say any more for fear of spoiling it because if I do, you'll get mad. <laughs> but uh, one has to be abstract about it. But honestly, anyone listening to this, the Siberia games, they are fantastic. Um, and they are a little, little bit difficult to get your head around. But once you actually get immersed in the world and the the language, it becomes much easier to comprehend. So, uh, but yeah, you, once you get your head into it uh, and understand the limitations of the engine and also the what it can and can't do, it it opens up. But uh, that's the trick. You think you can do everything, and you say actually no, you you can't. But <laughs> but uh, and that's the same with any adventure game. Just know what you can and can't do, and then you're fine. So, uh, what about you, Gallup? What what's what's, uh, what's distracting you? Well, actually, we are three people. Maybe owner also has something to say about his favorites. <laughs> I just want to propose. He's not with us currently, Galif. He's not with us right now. Ah, he's not there. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, I did not. Um, well, uh, well, I, as I said, I'm a fighting game fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, is, is, is this Street Fighter Five? is it? Is that what you're doing? Or? No, I, I don't want to... Sorry? No, I don't like it. I didn't like Street Fighter Five. Okay, I'll I'm pluck it out of midair. Yeah. Is it Tekken? I don't know. <laughs> I'm playing. I last played uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Oh, you know okay. The like, uh, infamous, you know, Grand Blue franchise. It is a JRPG right. normally. Right. Yeah. They made um, the Arc System Works, which is a very famous fighting game. Developer, uh, which is the creator of Guilty Gear series. Okay. And, okay. and actually, their final game um, is actually being a fighting game. It is a very um, nice soundtrack. It has a very nice animations, and it actually involves uh, RPG-like story mode. It has an interesting experience, and the gameplay is actually a bit uh, interesting. It's like a Street Fighter meets Guilty Gear, some kind of gameplay feel. I tried to play it a bit, but I actually didn't really like the game balance. (laughs) Especially online matches were not so fun. So I stopped playing it, and I'm actually playing a classic game, which is another Guilty Gear game, just made a huge update lately adding rollback netcode which is very important for fighting games currently most fans are asking okay japanese developers please convert your game netcode to rollback and make us play you know efficiently and they actually converted one of their games to net roll netback code and a lot of people actually playing it right now even it's a 2d polish fighting game uh, Guilty Gear, I forget. They have a very long name. You know, you know, Japanese developers you give interesting names to their games. 
Yeah, it is something like Guilty Gear, Core, Ascent, Core, Plus, Plus, RRC, a lot of, you know, suffixes. <laughs> so I can't really remember which one it was, but um, I'm actually enjoying it because it gives a lot of nice matches uh, people around the world and it's playing very fast. I mean, the input delay and everything works. You do combos very efficiently. So it is fun and Whenever I have time, I escape to the world of Guilty <laughs> Gear matches. So, uh, all I can say right now is I actually played Darkness Within 2 again, <laughs> our game, which, which we didn't, <laughs> which we didn't, you know, make an update for a long time. I just wanted to, you know, as a developer, I sometimes do that. I go back and play the previously built games and try to understand what we have done, what we have accomplished, what they have done right or wrong. And of course, I found a lot of bad things <laughs> in the game. We made a lot of mistakes apparently and it was very interesting but uh, i tried to play the activism too in um, perspective of a new player or more modern uh, player and try to understand what is going to get from that game and i actually uh, i can say enjoyed it <laughs> on the second uh, on the, on this uh, run but well, there room for imp- uh, improvement as always. Yeah, you. you but you, I, I think it's an interesting game. I mean, uh, this I find the storytelling and the progression um, intriguing. Is interesting because uh, I think it is the touch of Lovecraft, and I think the always the main concept that um, curiosity for the unknown thing, and uh, it is important that. Uh, I mean, when I read his stories, I noticed that it pulls you because it's, it's it is something you're going to find about yourself or about this world and the you know, past of humanity, which is actually, I believe, in our hearts. We have a curiosity for because as a human being, we want to know, okay, where am I coming from? What have I done in the past? And where am I going? And this is actually the question of philosophy um so you ask these questions all the time but in life you found you find different answers and you move on but sometimes uh, it is better to re-question yourself about the answers you have found are they really really uh, you know answering your needs at the moment and when you reshape your questions you may get different answers and you get answers from you know where from books from other people which is not always you know nice because because the people around you always know um, i mean uh, one one or another in the same level as you so they may not they may not have the answers and you uh, start searching the answers in books which is a more faithful thing to do i believe and you know uh, this, uh, we book readers always, if you have a very quality book, very um, classic book, if you read it in different times of your life, you will find different details about it. And this is a very common thing, I believe. And it is because you are a different person and also uh, you get the core ideas in a different way, uh, merging with your 
own experiences type of thing. So this is basically what I'm trying to achieve. Why I uh, try to you know spend my leisure time uh, when I pl- play games or sometimes reading books, etc. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's uh, it. No, that's that's. Uh, I was going to go back a little bit. Like when you look when you're playing your older ty- titles, you 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 are your own worst critic. So you're probably seeing far worse things than most people like. I didn't notice that was a problem. Look at that texture. It's warping out. It's just, I'm giving a bad example, but you know what I mean. Like that lighting and everything and the, the whole interaction system and the and the, the, the width of this room is way off. It's just awful. And like, I can't see this. I can't, can't see these problems. I'm, I'm giving bad examples, but you know what I mean. You just basically pick apart things that uh, aren't many, many people didn't really notice. But that's why you are what you are. You're creators, and only you would recognise that actually we can improve on this. But then the other side of the things is you have to understand the concept of it's good enough. And that's a yeah. really, really yeah. difficult phrase to, 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 to digest and to understand. And it sounds a bit negative, almost like you're implying that you're lazy. No. No one wants a perfectionist. No one wants that. They're the worst people to have in your team because nothing gets done. Nothing gets you know, done. There, you know, there is a saying, I think it is also uh, in English, say, uh, perfection is the enemy of the good. Yes. Yeah, because if you're perfectionist, uh, the life is a harsh way for you. Yes, you know that. But if you accept your, um, you know, bad things you do, your mistakes, you get better and better, and maybe it is the more most fulfilling way. <laughs> yeah, to move on. <laughs> so, that's the end of the first half. Well done. Thank you for sharing. I was going to expand on my button-mashing ways with soul colour, but I suspect I may insult Gallup if I went that far, because he was just like, please don't, please shut up. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, and I do have an arcade stick and stuff, but I mainly use it for shoot-em-ups, not beat-em-ups. Uh, I love mm-hmm. my, I love my um, R-types and stuff like that, and Gradius. I'm a big fan of those. But fighting games, I love them, but I'm rubbish at them. I try, I really yeah, do. They but that's... try skill, unfortunately. <laughs> a lot of skill and understanding of, you know, the counting of animations and frames. That's just, yeah. really, really? That's, that's <laughs> some other stuff people like. <laughs> some people like. Yeah, I know, I know. So let's move on to the second half. We should delve deep into Transient. Before we can talk about Transient, I need you two to explain to me what you believe Transient to be. So, in your own words, what is Transient? Uh, yeah, I uh, understand. <laughs> you, you go first as the creative direction. 
please. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we all are creative directors, but I, I, you know, I have to say something about my uh, about my work. You know, we are doing so many things. Uh, you Galip also doing lots of stuff, coding, game design, and also I have to do so many other disciplines. You know, so um, I think uh, transient is about uh, about change. This is a uh, Cyberpunk Lovecraftian adventure game. Uh, you know, we've developed so many games. We're exiled in creating Lovecraftian games before. Uh, Konarim and Dracus within uh, are one of them. So, um, Transient is about um, mixing cosmic horror with um, with cyberpunk, with um, with a dystopian future, right? Um, all these old technologies, everything is bad. Nothing is um, is good for humanity. Um, everything is um, deteriorating. And um, also, if you uh, infuse Cosmicor into this setting, uh, you'll get an awesome combination. I think, yeah, transit is awesome combination of some combination of these both genres. Um, you know. Cosmic horror is something very different, something really uh, hard to catch. Uh, and I, I don't think many games uh, out there uh, released uh, games ca- couldn't catch it, uh, haven't catch, uh, tried to try to catch it. And I, I think we we might uh, get the guess gist of what Lovecraft in Cosmic horror is. Uh, but as you know, we are a very small development team. We uh, have to deal with all sorts of problems, and uh, we might not get uh, get it right, get it done. But uh, we are in pursuit of doing it. Uh, so yeah, all in all, a lo- transit is a combination of cosmic horror with uh, with uh, cyberpunk aesthetics. Yeah, all I can say is that I think Galip can say add more into onto this, right? Well, um, well, um, I actually, what can I say about transit? Well, um, I think um, merging the cyberpunk, um, uh, cyberpunk, ju- uh, cyberpunk setting uh, with Lovecraft was a big challenge. I still think like that. Yeah. And um, when I actually, I uh, in this project, I wasn't very, you know, um, uh, involved with the game uh, story and the creation as I did in Conarium, because uh, in Conarium we had some a lot of, uh, I mean, different ideas and merged them together. But in Transcend, I was a bit, you know, uh, I wasn't at the project for at the start. I mean, only yeah. uh, working on uh, creation and everything then. They handed me the all the scripts and story and every stuff in <laughs> documents, and I read them, and I just get into the world and everything. Yeah. I actually like the um, it as always because uh, it's it had a lot of references to different um, stories, and uh, actually they were uh, pointing out the same essence uh, that we used. Uh, in all of our games. So I really like the part that, okay, we are still actually doing the same thing. I mean, we are doing the same, um, using the same lore and world, and we we are just 
uh, telling it in a different setting. So cyberpunk is the setting, but there's still stories of the uh, you know, ancients and Lovecraft myths and lore. But um, actually, the world we live in, in transient, the modernish, the uh, dystopian world, is actually... Uh, is it, I mean, it is not very, 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 very uh, part of the game. It is actually the way that uh, in the history, the as a human being, we we made a choice, and it led us to you know uh, in living with the technological stuff in that way. But we are still, I mean, the world we live is still is not. Uh, I mean, it is still uh, Lovecraftian world. It's still, we are living in a, you know, um, is it a dark world? Yeah. But the things, the technology we use is still is nothing. I mean, it is, it is, uh, it is nothing that we have. It is just the uh, environment. But um, even in that, we are just uh, experiencing the same thing. I mean, the main character. I think uh, there's also a connection between the world. So actually the Conarium and Transient and Dark is actually taking place in the same uh, world. I mean, they are in different, they uh, takes place in different timelines, different, they're not chronologically in different times, but they're actually sharing the same world. Does uh, the main character has some kind of similarities and connections with the character uh, Frank in Conarium as well. Yeah. So basically, they are experiencing uh, the similar things, but uh, in a different setting. And the story and uh, everything is actually different. But the actors around us are still the same. I mean, but uh, the main character is still clueless about what's going on and what kind of things that is going to endure. But uh, in the end, um, the adventure, the uh, journey is very similar. Yeah, exactly. In that regard, I actually didn't, I actually feel the same thing when we developed with Tacos Putin and Conarium. So for me, transient is this, is just uh, another, um, actually a masterpiece. I call it masterpiece because um, I really, really appreciate the uh, effort Oral and Honor, Honor t- uh, took on this, I mean, uh, the story writing. They write a lot of things, and I think they're very, very good. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure in such a, uh, in a project in this scale, there are so many information and references. And I, I understand that people find the story confusing because it is not very easy to grasp because there are a lot of references there are a lot of uh, clues uh, scattered around and you just can't say uh, okay i started the game and finished in four hours it's not such a type of game uh, as as you mentioned when we started actually um and so you have to be careful about what's being you know uh Said, uh, told you about the story. So, 
you have to catch the cruise. And if you are that type of person, you will actually enjoy the world. Otherwise, you when <laughs> you you may you will probably think that game ended abruptly. <laughs> I mean, what happened now? I was I was doing this, and suddenly the credits started to roll. Type of feeling. If you, I mean, if you have faced such a thing, then you probably, in my opinion, missed a lot of stuff going on. But of course, uh, it may not uh, you know, satisfy some people. That's that's very understandable because um, there maybe is not type of storytelling you are expecting, and that's completely understandable because there are a lot of games which are very in very good in that regard of course because they, they want the story to be understood per, understood perfectly by the player but uh, as as i'm sure i know about that uh, honor and oral is not going that direction so this is actually very try i mean this is very um, difficult for to convey to other players and this is Actually, our struggle. It, I, actually, this is our struggle in general. We always struggle with storytelling uh, because we try to make it in a different way. People do not uh, the way that people are not used to, and it also <laughs> costed us a lot <laughs> during yeah. this development because our sales and the people's reactions is. It costed us a, a lot, but it also, I believe, improved every one of us uh, in that regard as well. So it has it has just very advantages and disadvantages. Some uh, may look like a curse on us, but I think it is good to be stand out uh, to the point we are. I mean, we are trying to do this this way, and we will continue doing this way because we believe it is the interesting and i think the idealistic part of uh, our development progress absolutely and speaking as someone who has a lot of experience playing cthulhu pen and paper role-playing games mm -hmm. this is how they're structured <laughs> this is how they work you know when you're playing in a group and it's not dungeons and dragons the pacing is really weird yes it's that's how so you structured it. You've mirrored, whether you, whether you consciously did it or not, the actual pacing of the pen and paper role-playing games. That's how they work. And um, if, if if you don't appreciate that, then it's you know it's I, I don't know what to say to you. But but uh, just open your mind, and you know understand that's where it's coming from. You get pieces of evidence that make no sense. You find a statue. And you'll be like, it's it's just like it is emitting some kind of weird sort of sense of foreboding, but you don't know why. And then you find out five sessions later, it meant nothing. <laughs> but you didn't know that. You didn't know that. It could be a complete red herring, but they find out. But it did lead you to some. It did lead you to something else that is important. And that's how I approach transient. You've done a wonderful job of replicating that extraordinary sense of. I know something really bad is going to happen, but I just don't know when. So, <laughs> which leads me on to my first design question. Pacing is vital when revealing the core plot of any horror game, whether it's 
Lovecraft or not, doesn't matter. It's about I, one of the things I believe is pacing. Is it's the it's not what not the actual act of violence and horror and what have you. It's the point leading up to that is what the game is. Yeah. What the experience is about. Um, yeah. How have you infused this within Transient? What have you done to respect that need for? careful pacing what do you what have you would would you believe you've done uh actually uh we love uh, we love uh foreshadowing stuff uh in when we um uh, we see them in movies it was an awesome uh, narrative device uh also in lovecraft uh, he uses uh this all the time uh, the foreshadowing so uh we in darkness within series uh we use this device a lot, the narrative device a lot, and in Conary we, we use this too. And I think uh, this device uh, is perfectly set the tone of the game uh, for the players. Um, they will be in um, in an expectation of something, but they don't know why. Uh, we use this in, in first in first of our games, Darkness Within. Um, we tell the players that you there is a certain place that you should not be in there, but you will go there. Uh, we detail give every details about this place in uh, in a written format. They they read that, uh, read read about the place. Uh, they discover anything about the place. So, so many things about the place. I'm sorry, and uh, and eventually uh, when the game is out released and we solve that, players uh, actually uh, fear to go to that place, that particular particular place because. Uh, we uh, set the tone, mood, and uh, we set the uh, foreshadowing device correctly. Uh, they really uh, they don't they didn't want to go that place uh, because yeah you know uh, we we done it uh, perfectly fine. So in transient uh, is this is also the case. We uh, scattered so many reading materials uh, around the place around the levels. So people can um, get into the uh, the lore of the game very quickly, very early in the game. But of course, at, uh, when when they start the game, they they will not understand. They they won't understand anything about it. Um, there is a complex storyline. Um, so many things going on. They they uh, don't know anything about it. Anything about Carter. They may not be uh, reading Lovecraft, right? They they don't know Lovecraft. So uh, it's a bit uh, overwhelming at first parts, but eventually, when they uh, discover the game, discover the uh, lore, uh, this world building stuff, they uh, eventually get into something, uh, some expectation. Uh, and I think we are very good at creating this. Um, we combine uh, sound design uh, with narrative, with uh, story driven uh, all the. Uh, reading materials, they will uh, create something very unique, very uh, uh, different from from the um, from the genre, the other games in the genre. Uh, people usually uh, say that uh, you are great in creating atmospheres, right? And I think yeah, Transient is very set apart from from its atmosphere from the other games. Uh, it's a uh, we, we we try to. Um, foreshadow some some things at first uh, so if we build everything on top of uh, of the uh, 
of something uh, that will come eventually, and players uh, constantly is on uh, is on their toes, uh, trying uh, guessing what will coming in their way, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think yeah that that's all encapsulates uh, my ideas about your question, and I think uh, if uh, Galip will contribute to the question, please Galip be my guest. <laughs> Well, what can I say, Rob? I think uh, uh, we are developing it. I mean, um, still, it is very rare to people, maybe the pacing in this game or maybe storytelling, because uh, we actually have something in our minds which is maybe out of box for most people. But we have, we also want to... Um, uh, I'm gonna say meet it with the people's regular stuff. So in the end, I think we are going to find the perfect <laughs> storytelling method for our games. But actually, uh, I mean, in Transient, we made a lot of improvements in that regard. I mean, I also play Conarium at the moment because I'm um, working on the Switch, Nintendo Switch version of it. So I'm replaying it again and again. So I'm making comparisons with Transient and Conarium, what has been developed, and I see things have uh, gone into a better direction. So it's developing. Um, well, it, it's a part part of the development. We, why we call this development? Because you develop, you make something better at every time. But I think um, maybe at, when we started our ideas and um, concept of you know storytelling was a bit uh, a bit I, I mean too much out of the box I mean there were a lot of thoughts and references there was much thinking and depth to the content but uh, maybe meeting with other people um, or making the game more you know uh, reachable for most people in story in that regard mm. uh, taking a bit um, process because i believe it is not very common what we are doing no that's so, for certain <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that's all my <laughs> all my you know okay uh, five five ten cents <laughs> yeah five ten cents, cents yeah so next question there is a discordant sense of where the player is or the character the player is is uh, is uh, in controlling uh, in, in the sense of where they are are they in the real world are they in a virtual one are they in a virtual one that's also in the virtual one a bit like inception um yeah. how have you found playing with that concept when making transient uh Personally, I really love uh, multifaceted uh, storylines. You know, all the postmodern movies uh, use, you know, uh, reality uh, is not singular. You know, in, in Matrix, we experienced this in 13th Floor, another great movie I admire. Uh, they they were using the same um, methodology. And we, in Transient, we thought that it's, it will be awesome to, uh, to create uh, a multi-layered storyline uh, where um, the time is usually um, 
not uh, the different is from the rest of the uh, layers uh, the stacking on on top of each other so uh, we thought that uh, we have to uh, read some lovecraft lovecraftian stuff like uh, you know the dream quest of unknown kara beyond the wall of sleep lovecraft has su- such uh, stories such um, dream uh, cycle books uh, where where the protagonist is um, experiencing some strange locations but at the same time they uh, he he is uh, exper- uh, he is in in the real world but but he's uh, spiritually he's uh, he's going beyond the to the other dimensions other plane of existence uh, you know uh, this is the main concept of lovecraft's uh, dream cycle stories uh, we thought uh, that we have to uh, capture these stories' essences in transient, and we try to incorporate Lovecraft's ideas into transient in this way to create a multi-layered, multifaceted story storyline. Um, so, in your question, you 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 say that uh, the the where 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 is the players? Is they are in the real world or they're in the um, Cyber world, right? Uh, yes, they, yes. I actually, I, I think if I uh, answer this question, uh, it will be a spoiler, right? Uh, Indeed. Know. And I was just, I'm so sorry if I, I pitched yeah. it that way. It's just, yeah. where, where are they? And you don't, and it, I, there is an answer to that question. I can't answer it. Yeah. But what I'm focusing yeah. on is that, yes, there is an ambiguity there. Yeah. How have you found designing and playing with that idea in transient that's all i'm saying i'm not giving a hard answer to that i'm not asking for one i'm asking about how you found the design of transient playing with the idea of a sense of space and also what is real and what isn't yeah Yeah. uh the um resolution of reality right this is the main concept yeah, you know. I, I mean, you I, could I, go into hard solipsism, but no one wants to talk about that in this yeah. show. But let's not yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, as I've said before, we like Lovecraft stories. Uh, they he also um, took this way uh, narrating a story, but not so much uh, complex. But transcend is is on other on another level. Uh, we are also inspired by lots of uh, books uh, in this charge, uh, like City and the Stars by Arthur C. Clarke and Lovecraft's Dream Course of Anon Karat and Beyond the Wall of Sleep and etc. Uh, so, uh, and also uh, the uh, the movie Thirteenth Floor. I was really excited by, by that movie, and I think it would be awesome to uh, incorporate these uh, dissolution of reality elements into transient. So, um, this was the, these. Uh, Stories and movies uh, were inspired us in creating the uh, transient storyline. So I think yeah, that that's your answer. Okay, uh, I think uh, Gallup might delve into this next question more than uh, uh, more than uh, Oral. Uh, so let's uh, let's do this. Um, the interface design uh, or the interface implementation of transient is it a first person? Uh, view you're taking it from so it's not but you're not shooting anything just to be clear everyone and um but it is very much like an adventure game very similar to the adventure games from the mid 90s or late 80s so games like uh, uh, mist 
I almost said Myth there, but Myth is the RTS game from Bungie. Sorry, everyone, uh, Myth, and other games of similar. By the way, Myth's, you know, Myth's awesome, yeah. but that's that's another discussion for another time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Myth and things like that, and other games that they, they created really, really amazing worlds. Although sadly, some of the interface design was how can I put it bad uh, <laughs> but you know the the, the, yeah. the the concepts they were trying to achieve were were there whereas now you've got 20 30 years of design experience behind you not personally but you can learn from and feed from and you've made it so much more engrossing because it's not intrusive somehow you've made an interface that isn't intrusive can you tell us how you did that or what your thought processes were and how how it came to be, really? Well, I can say <laughs> we made progress in that regard, but we are always trying different things at every game. Um, but, yeah, the interfaces in our games are always a bit weird to the players because sometimes we try new ideas. Uh, I remember the mind combining... Oh, sorry, it's a mind inventory with very combined thoughts to get new thoughts in Darkness Within series, which was very, 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 you know... <laughs> Well, or uh, good or bad, receive very mixed, get very mixed uh, re uh, reviews from the players. But in Transient, we learned that, uh, and also from Conarium, that we we have to keep everything as simple as possible. When you try to <laughs> create complex things or complex uh, interfaces, then um, it may not be good for all people. And since we we, since we have a small audience, we didn't want to make it, you know, stay small as days. So we want to make it simpler and make puzzle design and every um, things that you come across is usual as you see in other games. And um, that's interesting. While we are in a quality assurance phase, phase uh, the feedback is coming from those uh, you know, teams is like uh, there's a certain um, perception of the players that how they interact with the interfaces, how they use them, their behaviors. And there are some, you know, uh, things that became almost rules. So it, we call it, you know, experience design. So uh, in that regard, everything's getting simpler and more understandable. And there's some certain rules that people understand things. So we want to obey those rules and try try not to make things so much complex for the player. So actually, we I can say we don't improve, but we uh, make it optimized and more simple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't think that answers your question. But. I think it does. It, it's just a. It's important for a game like Transient to not have, not to have an intrusive interface because it gets in the way of the storytelling. It gets in the way of the experience. Yeah, you have to have something, otherwise, well, it's you're just watching a film at that point. You have to have something, but you, you don't want it to become so obtrusive, so obvious 
that you actually am I just playing Tetris then? You know, it's no, you don't want that. Not that there's anything wrong with playing Tetris, by the way, but uh, this is you, you're sitting in front of your computer or or video or console, what have you, and you're doing it to experience transit, uh, um, trans, transient, sorry, uh, for, for what it is. Um, so yeah, my last question, and I'm not sure who's going to answer this one, I think both of you will. But I want to talk about the investigation device, the FI device, or FII, uh, P-H-I. Um, why does it have a time limit on it? <laughs> that question maybe comes to me because uh, <laughs> I had the idea to put a time limit okay, to Okay, okay. I love okay, it. I, I love it. Don't get I'm not criticizing it. I just find it fascinating that you put it in. Why is it there? Why it is there? Well, um, I think we were talking about it, uh, how to make the FI uh, more standard for people because when we first implemented it, there was no indication that it is actually activated. There was just that bluish uh, post-process effect where there's a red scanning going around you to the world. And then we decided that um, it's better to add a bar for it because... Um, uh, I mean, it is a perception heightening interface. So we thought that if you are percept, uh, I mean, heightening your inter, uh, perception, that it has to have a cost for it. So it is actually a way of showing that uh, it is since uh, it is an implant implant on your body, it should also you know consume from your body, like your stamina or bodily functions so it is actually making you force um, something like running or using a lot of effort to just have that capacities so that is why we put a bar to there and time limit because it shows that you cannot sit in that uh, state for a long time because it's going to actually consume your body and affect your bodily functions in a negative way. So this is basically the idea. We wanted to make, uh, I mean, if you have paid attention, if you uh, wait for the bar to run out, um, uh, the main player, Carter, starts uh, getting tired. He starts dipping, uh, breathing deeply, and also there's just some uh, hit mo- hit vision also gets uh, distorted. And so it has some effects on it. So also um, we want to add some, uh, say, um, tactical part where people, and I mean, we, we didn't want people to uh, keep it on all the time because it is also breaking immer- immersive atmosphere of the game. So you're always using that beep-up sounds around and playing the game. So we wanted to add that being in that state as a cost that's that's actually basically the reason yeah it's also that's also known as the batman syndrome because <laughs> you're familiar with that game familiar with that game that has investigation mode i think it was called and uh, it was quite common for people to just play in that mode for quite some time because that that way you could find all the clues without any problems <laughs> it's just oh look there's the joker's thing it's just right through that wall there Oh man, you know, but they, they, there was no cost. There was no cost to using it, so you know. 
we actually didn't want players to uh, get into such a mindset. I mean, they say, okay, I'm going to collect everything in this mode. We just wanted them to, you know, get back to the story because because this main point we meant to take people's attention to. Yeah, there are superhero games for that. Thank you very much. And if you want to go out and collect um, backpacks in Spider-Man, off you pop. But uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna get that in, in Transient. So, yeah, uh, Transient is developed by uh, Storming Studios. Where's the name come from? Uh, actually, the name comes from the um, science fiction idea of uh, Earthling, right? Uh, there's a conception of Earthling in, in science fiction. Usually, they uh, describe human humanity, and uh, we thought that uh, would be great to combine it with something um different and um actually it 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 is called uh, somnic because um we are uh constantly fighting against the nature right so we are inside of of that part the storm so we are born in 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 life Uh, it's a storm i think i can Mm. call it yeah, uh, the the the, the uh, idea came from from this uh, direct idea. Uh, also, um, it's we uh, searched so many, uh, tried so many different names, but uh, they all taken right. People, <laughs> yes, they all the time. They they're trying to create new new game companies and yeah, so many uh, game titles taken. So this, I think, this is a this is one of the. Um, not taken game names, company names. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's great. I mean, uh, and it just storms. People think they're mystical or magic. No, it's just the atmosphere interacting yeah. with the Earth, the Earth's crust. Yeah. Or that's all it's doing. The atmosphere is just loads of gases. It's going to do that. <laughs> if you put a gas in a jar and then let it do its thing, it's going to do weird stuff. That's what storms. All it is, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the fact you put you apply mystical. Uh, application to it but uh, yes uh, Transient as I said uh, by Storming Studios published by Iceberg Interactive it's out now on Windows PC via Steam that I know are there any other plans for other platforms yes yes of course we are planning PlayStation 4 and Xbox and a possible you know simultaneous release with new, new generation consoles so we are also working on some ideas there are to be, you know, announced later. So keep keeping, <laughs> keeping yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just took delivery of my Xbox One, sorry, Xbox Series X, this morning. So that was it's 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 downloading Dirt Five right now. I love my rally games. Sorry, but anyway, uh, I'm not apologising. Rally games are fun if you know how to drive. Um, but uh, and they also really do show off the hardware. They really do all those particle effects <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, as as the dust gets kicked. Up. Anyway, stuff. Um, but uh, I can't uh, express my gratitude enough for you both and being such wonderful guests of the Sausage Factories. Thank you so very very much. And thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting. Yes, really, thanks for having us. a great talk. You're, you're more than welcome to come back. We do have a lot of return guests because this show's been going for a long time. And uh, and uh, like I said, yeah, we're welcome to come back to talk about what's coming up next, whatever that may be. But in the meantime, thanks very much. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. 
You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canandrinse.com. <laughs>